I don't know. Episode four. Do Two it. idiots and an expert. Yeah, I led it with I don't know because it's that kind of morning. Really? Yeah, I'm, I am burnt out. Burnt toast. Long weekend, eh? I mean... I just did an A. Like, I'm Canadian. <laughs> and I'm not even from Canada. We I'm already not, started. It's already yeah. started. Lisa, like, Lisa said this morning, she's like, save the material. Save it for the podcast. But do you know people who do that? Like, I, I find myself doing that sometimes where I'll go like, A. Or I'll take on someone else's accent. Or, like, I'm talking to someone who's, like, from Britain. And I'll go like, do you know what I mean? Because the UK, you don't do that? I know a lot of people do that. I'm like, not, are you all right? Oh my God. Dude, someone call Hatsala. <laughs> 911. Oh boy. Dude, Lee's not going to make it. Oh my God. This is bad. Wow. That's, no, we're not starting again. That's like a furball. Oh, holy cow. Dude, you all right? We are not. This is perfect. Wow. That's, that was great. Just sit back down. Let's go. I was just, I was actually drinking. Well. Whoa, dude, this is, this is great. Hold Are you on, all right? Keep talking. Do you want me to? Should I, should I call someone? Should I call your mom? <laughs> <laughs> let her know. Let her know. You, I mean, are you gonna make it? Just, just shake your head if you're gonna make it. Yeah, okay, fine. big thumbs up. Drinking. Okay. Don't make me laugh. So don't talk. No, keep talking. Just don't. No more jokes. All right, sorry. Um, I gotta collect myself. Wow, wow, what dude, the? that was crazy. Wow, I feel awake though. Now. Yeah, I thought a furball was gonna come out. You were like really gagging. Oh uh, no, I was drinking, then trying not to spit the wow. coffee all over the place here, and I'm sweating now. <clears throat> well, good morning. I, I think I woke I did you up. Have a story once. I don't think I ever told. Maybe I did. One time, I'm Passover at the Seder. Okay. It was the fourth cup of wine. And uh, it was a long day, a long night, and my daughter was younger, my oldest, and it was this is a while ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. She fell off her chair. Okay. As I was drinking the fourth cup. I just started laughing. I mean, was she hurt? No, she's oh. fine. Okay. I started laughing, and I couldn't, I started coughing, like that. Like that? And guess what happened? Nothing. It kept going. It wouldn't stop. I couldn't really? catch my breath. I started, like, hyperventilating. Wow. I never had a panic attack. Did you have to like nebulize? No, it got worse. I, I had to go to the bathroom. I, started, I, went, to take, I went to the bathroom. I, I was sitting on the toilet and I couldn't stop coughing. I couldn't stop going to the bathroom. Everything was, a, I was Every, breaking down. Everything was, everything was falling apart. Finally, Love after it. opening the window and being fanned by my wife, uh, I calmed down and I stopped. I went into bed. My whole body started itching, head to toe. Head from, to toe. From coughing or from Everywhere. My whole body was itching everywhere. So we were concerned that I was having like an allergic reaction to something. So we called EMS. Wow. And they carried me down in like one of those chairs. Have you ever been carried down? In the, down yeah. Like, Holy is cow. that going to happen again? Like, <laughs> no, I, 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 I mean, Do I got to call EMS now? Maybe. Because you're, you're starting to break out in hives around your neck. <laughs> so right. I went to the hospital. Yeah. And the doctor put me in peds. They were busy. They put me in peds. And he walked in. He's like, you're a big ped, brother. Yeah. I was like, okay, thanks. I see that. I was like, now another doctor's told me I should lose weight. Like, it's like, thanks. Thank you, obvious. <laughs> okay, I'll stop eating carbs and I'll eat healthier. <laughs> you get like a lollipop at the end? No, I didn't. Sticker? So she's like, you remember like, pick a sticker, Batman. I told him the whole story. He looked yeah. at me and he ran a couple tests. And he's like, you had a histamine release. You had an allergic reaction you had a non-allergic reaction to a panic attack. All from just laughing like crazy. Like I like choking. I, like choking. Really? Have you ever had uh, have you ever hyperventilated? Like part of me wants to hit you with an EpiPen right now. 
Like I've in done your that, neck. I've done that to myself by, by accident. Lisa has also. Lisa's allergic to you know. Old no, berries. but she's used it on purpose. I shot myself in everything by accident once. How'd you do that? It fell out of my pants, uh, and my and SD found it in the backyard, and I looked at it. it looked weird, so I tried to push it together, and I realized the safety was off, and I clicked into my hand. I'm like, oh jeez. Basically, it felt like. Dude, your heart was racing. It felt like a quad espresso. It felt really? Like speed. Like I was on something. Like Ritalin or something. Or like it was. Like your heart was like pounding on your yeah, chest. Pounding on my chest for 30 ish, 35, 40 minutes. It went away. Then it was gone. All the wow. I felt like I had like 12 Red Bulls. Unbelievable. Um, so back to the. Yeah. So I went to the hospital. I had a, I had a non allergic. Or I had some. I forget what he called it. I think it was like an allergic. A non allergic histamine. Should release. I put on my medicine hat? <clears throat> um, I don't remember. <laughs> Can you please put on a medicine hat? What the hell's a medicine hat? I mean, just like the yeah, it's nothing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah you got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I prefer a jacket. Ooh, medicine jacket, like a doctor's jacket. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you, next time you say that, maybe you should say, put on your doctor hat. Doctor hat. Well, okay. So we're up to the fourth episode because. Oh I, right. I, I, okay. Let's let's go back. We're up to the fourth episode, and I mentioned the fact that I think sometimes like people put on accents. Oh right. When they're not actually from, you take on. Like, you almost become a chameleon, in a way. I don't know if that's true. A ton of people do it. Especially, I think, when people are having certain conversations with certain people. I've never done that in my life. A hundred percent people do. Maybe people do, but I've never done that. I've seen it. I've done it myself. Like, you feel like, like, if you're interacting with, let's say, someone who's, I don't know, something silly, like a snowboarder. All of a sudden, you're, like, you know, talking like a snow. Like, everything changes. yeah, and you know what you do? You said cheers all the time. Yeah, exactly. Like, stop saying No, but I never say cheers. You say cheers all the time. Do I? I, I used to. Stop. Cheers, cheers. Uh, cheers. Yeah, I got it. There's like that. business calls. No, like, but cheers. I think people take on <clears throat> this sort of, you know, change the way they're talking when they're dealing with different people. I mean, there's the concept of like work voice. You know, like, you know how you're on a call and you're, or you're with someone in a, call, a car and they're on a work call? Yeah. Wow. W- wow. This is going to be a long podcast. We might want to jump right to the guest. Like, skip <laughs> everything else. today's guest? Oh, we got a great guest. <clears throat> Looking forward to this one. Larry's Larry Siegel. Every time I, I text him to let him know what's happening, he's always like, copy that. Yeah, he, he talks in, uh, like his in enti- radio code. Yeah, his entire, I guess, being is all about, like, production. So it's like, copy that. Right. Roger. You know, like... Roger, Roger. Roger, Roger. Like, who does that? But I don't know. I guess we'll find so, out. So, <clears throat> live music. We're going to talk about live music and production and events and production. Yep. And uh, event production and live music management and things of that nature. He's been around that world for, I don't know, like 20-ish years. Yeah. Um, uh, so we're excited to talk to Larry <clears throat> And uh, we still don't have a theme song No It's been a busy week So like whatever I... No but I think we're getting close to, At least to like what you and I believe Is a great concept for a theme song right. And once we have it I think it I think it's gonna be Grammy award winning oh, cool. um, the, the Corey idea of the week uh, Hey know... Lee can I bring up one thing quick? Yeah So I sent you this fact Which I found interesting And then we'll jump into that More than 136 downloads, you're in the top 50% of podcasts, which I found amazing. So there's supposedly like 750,000 podcasts. We're over 600 downloads. Right, which is phenomenal. And then it said here, if you're more than than 1,100 downloads, you're in the top 20% of podcasts. Is that total downloads or is that per episode? Per episode, I think it is. Totally, you think? I don't know. It's and then the last one is more than 3,200 downloads, you're in the top 10% of, of podcasts. It has to be per episode, I would assume. So we're not at, we're at 600 plus total. For the no, first. but on our first one, we're at the... We're at 350 or something like that. Which, again, it's like we're, we're better than 50% of the podcasts out there. 
was that first number again? Okay, more than 136 downloads, you're in the top 50% of podcasts. Wow. Pretty crazy, right? That's pretty crazy. Both. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I, I just thought... all three of them are over. Yeah, are over the 150 mark yeah. of 136 yeah. or whatever oh it said. God, yeah. All right, so we're better than 50%. When did you text me that? Last night? Last night, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, you were You were zooted. I was, uh, I was on their planet last night. Um, <clears throat> Not like the kind of planet that Filthy lives on, but... Yeah, I was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was bar mitzvah in Englewood. People liked. Of, people like filthy a lot. I got a lot of good response from that. People like filthy a lot. Yeah. People like you a lot. Oh shit! You sound surprised. I mean, I'm kind of like I like staying to myself a lot more. I'm not antisocial. Don't get me wrong. Well, I'm, you, I'm, I'm pretty you, social. You are antisocial? No, I'm not. I'm just. I. I'm cool with just staying home and doing my thing. I, I saw some of your people on, when I was at the bar mitzvah in Englewood, and they're like, we call it Angleweed. No, we don't. Oh, we don't. You call it that. It's weird. Uh, some of the guys, I thought about a couple experts. I don't know if they're ready yet. Doctor, lawyer, smart dudes. Right. Interesting people. I don't know if we're ready for that yet. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they're interesting enough for the crowd. I did talk to my buddy's brother, who's a neurologist. Really? He does sleep uh, studies. And yeah, that could be kind of cool. So I talked to him. My challenge here is I gotta figure out like if it's if it's interesting interesting enough to other people. Right. He's like sleep apnea is boring. Everyone knows. Oh about yeah, that. yeah. He's yeah like, that's five like, seconds. Yeah. He's like everyone like that. He's like talking. He's like maybe we can talk about like the studies he's working on or <clears throat> how to get better sleep or what. I don't know. I don't know if it works though. Probably. Right. So so I'm really going down this path that I really like with like Larry and Filthy and if there's guys out there you you know some of our listeners who know people who, who they find interesting that we might find interesting just send us a, like a DM or text or text or something because I mean, the 600 people who listen all know us so Yeah, I'd love pretty much. I think my mom just keeps hitting the play button over and over again. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't, work damn. Way. But I would I would just you know send us like shoot us something and cuz you there might be someone in someone else's network that's like the this guy would be great to talk to. Yeah. So Totally. Cool. And we can make believe we know something about that subject pretty easily. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're making believe we know something about podcasting. Yeah, we have no fucking clue what we're no doing idea. here. And I mean, I woke up this morning and I was burnt toast, man. Just lots of tequila, lots of good tequila. Really? 1942s yesterday. And wow. Amigos and wow. Lots of tequila. Yesterday. Yeah. Um, cool. And, and uh, good friends. And nice. Kids since he was born, so it was nice. Family stuff. Cool. Ezri's dad fell. On, Oof. on Sunday night. It was um, Saturday night. Is that right? Sorry, what day is today? Today's Sunday morning. It was Friday night. You're really... We missed it. I left already. And I really? It. He had to go. It, was a, it was... Hospital? Yeah. Oh, boy. He's fine. He okay. made the bar mitzvah in the morning. Cool. All right. Um, all right. So, yeah. We're... Uh, Corey's idea of the week. He just told me when I got here. Yeah. A half hour ago. Yeah. He said... Um, you know what you should do, Lee? During the podcast... You should use one of those grip things. You know that you squeeze your hand. A hand like grip. This, a like hand a grip. Hand, yeah. And I said, what? I said, you mean like, he's like, yeah, so you can like stay active. And he's a trainer. So like, yeah, so like, what's so crazy about that? I don't know how that, I was like, so do you want us to do sit-ups while we're doing it? He's like, no, I didn't say no, that. No, because we'd be out of breath. You, I, like, I didn't say that. He's like, don't put words in my mouth right. during my idea of the week. So what's cool he's about very, that? Very defensive. He gets very defensive. What's cool about that is I think I'm sure there are guys who do their podcast in radio, and they say they must probably doing those hand grip things. It's like a, it's like a, it keeps the blood flowing, maybe keeps you awake a little bit, keeps you, you going. You really make believe you know a lot of stuff. I love it. That's very. I mean, I believe you. Yeah, I, it, I it sounds convincing. I don't think it's based on anything. Do you don't think there's? Do you, don't, 
You don't think there's anyone who does that? I have no idea. I, I think like, there are. That's a statement. Like, Do you think there are a lot of people who use the hand grip things, like or or a squeezy ball? Oh, there are people who use the hand grip things, and there are people who use hand, hand uh, squeezy balls. Squeezy balls. <laughs> If they do it on podcasts, I don't know. I don't think so. I you doubt don't. it. All right. There might be one, which makes you right. Correct. I, I, I'm, I, well, Not there you go. I think there's at least one person out there who, when they do their podcast, uses some sort of like squeezy ball or oh, hand I got something else. I okay, go. You. So I saw some of the guys we know, common friends in Englewood. I yep. told a couple of them about the Mountain Creek idea. Oh, about the uh, game then. Yeah. Nice. And Ski like, pass. Yes. And they're doing it or they're not doing they, it? They, I don't know. This might be something that we can, like, if we get, it might be interesting if we text a couple guys. Are you getting one? <laughs> Maybe. So, oh, you see, I got, I mean, I got one. I got one for my whole yeah, family. So we, we were talking about things, we, we, we were talking, we want to talk about things that are keeping us sane because the weather's changing and there's 170,000 people with this dumb virus on yesterday or the day before. I'm over it. I know you're over it, but 170,000 people is a lot. It is a lot. Um... I got tested. I got, the, I got my first PCR test last yeah, week. Yeah, I know. I heard. It was Same guy that weird. did mine. It was weird. Yeah, I know. I mean, Max said... Um, I still have, like, cerebral spinal fluid dripping out of my nose. <laughs> cerebral? <laughs> like, I'm... I'm... Uh, folks at home, he just put his, he put his doctor hat on. I mean, yeah, doctor coat. His med- med- hat. Medicine, <laughs> medicine hat. I'll tell you right now, I am never going to do a test again like that. Um, it, there's a couple things. First of all, your son, Max, he told me it felt like they scratched his brain. Like, he left it in there and took a phone call. Yeah. I, and, it was, and I'm like, that's not going to happen. That's an exaggeration. It felt like that to me. So he said to me, he's like, it's uncomfortable. And it was uncomfortable. The thing that was really interesting yeah. was after it was over, I felt like I had, like, I was able, I had, like, a, like, he cleaned out, like, my nasal, my nasal, what's the word? Nasal. Um, nasal cavity? Cavity. There you go. There was, like, he popped a hole where there was something else in there. I'm like, no. I'm like, I had, like, extra. I should have run, run a marathon. I literally felt that I felt liquid coming out of my brain and I felt like I was losing memory as I was talking to people. Like, I'm like, something's going on here. It's not right. So I will not do that test again. It's not the way it works. Painful. It's not the way it works. So we were both negative, my wife and I. Awesome. Um, And we had a nice weekend. And, uh, oh, so so this winter, 170,000 people. Like, that's a lot. That's a shit ton of people, man. Yeah. Um, No, so so the ski idea, I'm doing mountain biking. No, so the weather's getting bad. Yep. How are you going to stay sane this winter? Uh, and you had a great idea that you're gonna, you can't ride your bike in the snow. Nope. Um, let's get passes to a ma- local mountain. Local mountain, 45 minutes away. Is it really that short? Yeah, each way. I don't think it's that short. No, it's 45 it? minutes. Yeah. Right. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe if it's really bad conditions, no, an I hour. Like over an hour and a half. No, no, no way. Hard. No, no, no. You're good. Like Hunter Mountain is, is further. It's far. Yeah, yeah, it's further. So Mountain Creek, um, yeah, so I have to do it. It's just yeah. Now you're gonna keep playing the guitar, right? You're yeah. getting okay. Proficient. The guitar with it. is coming along really nicely. It is. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm teaching myself harder songs, and I have no idea how to play a bar chord yet. But whatever. Right. How's your guitar play going? Horrible. Right now, it's collecting tons of dust. It just it sits. I would, I would ask you for your. It guitar. sits by my bed. I would ask you for your guitar to use it, but I think it's pretty pretty much the same level as mine. So like, there's no upgrade there. I, I mean, you could try it. I mean, would you spend 100, 200 bucks, two fifty? Uh, closer to four, I think. For it, the guitar itself? I think so. Yeah. Well, so maybe I'll check that. No, but it, it holds my shirt really well. <laughs> That's what the the bike behind you is for. Yeah. No, no, this bike. one I use. Yeah, the one. stationary bike I use. I hear you call me on the phone and I hear this. <laughs> I'm like, what's that noise? And it's like, it's the bike. It's an Amazon bike. It's an Amazon bike. It's not a Peloton. Right? No, it's not. Um, snowboard. Oh, podcast? Yeah. 
you know, I wrote down on notes. I mean, the podcast is a winter, a winter stay sane. Yeah, yeah. We're going to keep still, doing this. I talk to people. Like, I talked to one of my friend's mom, and she's like, I heard the podcast. Going, sounds good. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah. The whole thing? She goes, not the whole thing. I'm like, okay. Yeah, like, most people... I, I, they get through 20 minutes. In these yeah, podcasts. whatever. I mean, I, again, it's, we're having a good time. That's yeah, really what all... most important is about Exactly. Us. Exactly. This is about us. <laughs> now, you brought up a good idea, and I'm going to bring it up with this, that you said, well, should we do like a book club of the week? And I'm oh. like, and I'm like, Lee, I'm not reading all, a book. I said a book. Okay, book club of the month. That's, and that's a little too much. That was a good idea, though. Yes, but I was like, that's a little too much. We could read a good book. We could, but... Like, Graphic novel? Ooh. Comic book? Comic book. <laughs> Z- uh, brother-in-law, brother-in-law Zush told me there's... He's got a graphic novel that Max, his son, his son likes. Really? Actually. Regardless, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do the whole okay, book club of the right. month. I mean, that's an Oprah thing. I don't want to take it away from her. Like, <laughs> that's like her. That's her thing. Yeah. So you came up with a great idea. Yeah. And I like it. Yeah. So why don't you pitch it to our audience? Um, I'm a TV-aholic. So we're yeah. watching. We just were three episodes into The Queen's Gambit. Okay. I didn't, watch, you, that didn't watch that one. Every, no. Everyone's talking about it. Really? So I will watch it. You should watch it with your wife. Um... You like documentaries. I don't really. Right. But I like doing things out of my, like I'm not used to and try something new. And one of the things I wanted to watch a documentary on was this sex cult called Nexium. Yeah, I'm fascinated by it. And Nexium, if anyone knows, is a V instead of a U. Kind yeah. of like Ruga. Yeah. But Nexium. Yeah, by Nexium, yeah. So I watched the first episode. I don't know how you put that two together. Because <laughs> I was looking at it. It's like, who uses a V for a U? Yeah. Because yeah, because I think, I, whatever, they were selling something, you know, it's all these cult-like sort of organizations, you know, going back to, like, Jonestown, even going further back, yeah. it's all about, like, selling some I sort of... Jonestown is. Oh, that's it's a crazy Cooley. story. The yeah, drinking the Kool-Aid came from Jonestown. Yeah. Yeah. Guyana, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we wa- I watched the first... Have you only watched the first episode? I watched... No, I, I started the first episode, did I'm, like, halfway finish? through it. I did not finish it. You know what? You had one job. No, no, I thought we were going to... We were going to tease it? We're going to tease it. No, we're talking about next week. Okay, so I finished the first episode. Oh, you did? I wanted to talk about it. Uh, I mean, I can can talk about it to some level. I mean, I did watch it. I mean, I didn't watch the whole thing. Okay, so what were your first initial impressions from Um, the half hour you watched? Did you pause this podcast and go finish it now? No, that's crazy. Um, Put on your medicine hat, please. (laughs) I am fascinated by cults. And I'm because I think in many ways, and I know this is going to come to like a shot. Religion, organized religion, in many ways, is a a larger form of a cult. If you think about it, and I know this is going to be controversial. Listen, I'm somewhat I'm religious, right? Like, but with that being said, you consider yourself religious and spiritual. You believe and in, spiritual, you, you, I believe, you believe in God. Yes, I believe in a God. Wow, that was pretty confident. Yeah, but with that being said, if you think about it, Christianity, Judaism you know, Islam, all of these religions, because if you look at, I always was fascinated by like Scientology, Mormon, right? Mormonism, right? Because these are all recent religions. Mormonism is, I wouldn't include. Dude, what would you want to include? That's, that's. No, it's not recent. It is. It was 1880. I mean, you're talking about, you know, Joseph Smith, you know, Latter-day Saints. We're not talking something that's like thousands of years old. Scientology, all these sort of things. Scientology is not a religion. Of course it is. is it, it? It, yeah, it's a religious. Watch. There's great documentaries Maybe on you Netflix. Bring in a religion expert. Yes, I would love to talk to someone like a, like someone who like theology knows theology. all the religions. Yes, because to me, I think a lot of times oh, you that's start. Interesting. Yeah, that's a lot. A good idea. That's a great idea. We should think about that. Who do we know? 
who's like a theologian? Like a, like a professor or expert. of theology? Of theology. It's all, I want from all the religions. Yes, but I know I wanted to basically prove you that you know what you're talking about. Oh no no no! <laughs> I'm going to knock over everything. No on on this topic, I think I'm someone of an expert. It's <laughs> I, I've watched I've watched so many documentaries because you, as opposed to all the other expert other things yeah other things I don't know anything about but this I do if you watch there's a great one Wild Wild Country on oh, Netflix watch that one, watch that one yes. right so that was about Buddhism Buddhism yeah. but again was you, it Buddhism? Uh, it was Buddhism yeah it was about was um, well, yeah what was the guru's name um, the Ragnishis yeah I can't Super fascinating. I love all that the stuff. The thing was very interesting. The whole, that woman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So back to Nexium. I, the first episode, I watched it. Mm-hmm. I, my initial reaction is, when's the sex cult part coming? Oh, dude, not till later. DOS? They're not going to talk about DOS till later. And that has to do with the whole I don't sex. know. I don't know. I, you know, let me tell you this, Mark. I don't know anything about Nexium except that they got in trouble and it was a sex cult. Oh, dude. I, I don't know anything else. So I'm watching this and it's like, oh, this sounds pretty normal. Like weird but normal. It's like sales training. Oh no no, because you're, you're looking. You're at the part. At the part. At the beginning. With the beginning. With the with the ESP. ESP. I'm like, this looks like you know. I mean, it's a little weird with the sashes, but whatever. To each his own. You want to wear a medicine hat. <laughs> no, but the sashes are just like karate belts. Yeah. It was just, the guy. The it guy. Just, he, it said he was a judo master. Or whatever. It just he, sounded. It just sounded. It sounded. People he got bought, a lot out of it. No, he bought a lot of these ideas. Like if you learn, if you start to see other things like Scientology and all. And he's like, they just take a lot of things from other religions and other sort of, and yes, you have a sash, and then you have to get stripes on it, and then you advance, and, and it's all these pyramid schemes. Now remember, what they didn't get into, at least from the part and that the I'm to, how much these things cost. She said $5,700. Oh, maybe she did talk about it. It, it was not cheap. Actress. I think it was a three-day class for like five grand. It's a lot of money. It's a lot, right. So these, in order to advance in a lot of these different it's sort of, you got to have loot, it or you got to come had, up with loot. It also said that they had backing that's later in the episode from Bro- the Brofman family. Yes, the Seagrams. The, Se- the yeah, Brofman the, family owns Seagrams. Seagrams, yes. yes. And, um, and the whole uh, liquor. When that yeah. story broke on Nexium, don't know I, me. I don't know. Don't I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say anything because I, I want you to listen. I went all in. Allison Mack. I mean, I went uh, all in. Allison Mack. They haven't oh, spoke about her so yet. They did. She came in from the, oh, the end of the first episode. Okay, she's I, the actress, right? She was the actress. Yes, from she was a, the, Superman. Super. Super. Supergirl. Super, no, for no the super, TV show. TV show. Yeah. I think it was Superman. In one of them. But I, I forget Smallville. the... Smallville. Smallville, that's it. Yep. She looked familiar. I didn't really know a lot about her. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm very fast. Yeah, so, okay. so yeah, everyone we, jump on this wagon because yeah. we are we are going for everyone a ride. Watch it. And also, by the way, I told you that yeah. Stars... This one's on HBO. The one we're watching yeah, is The Vow. Yep. It's on HBO. Yeah. On demand. Yep. If anyone um, you know doesn't have HBO, just text me. I'll give them my password. And... Uh, Let's, yeah, it should be interesting to see how this goes. I don't know. How many, how many, we're not doing one episode. We're not doing one episode, are we? A week? Uh, uh, what do you mean one episode? Like, I want to, I want I probably want to watch two or three this week and we'll talk about Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I think we need more material, material on it. I mean, I, I, again, I went down a wormhole on this, so I really right. went into it, but uh, yes, I want to watch. We'll watch like two or three. Okay, good. Cool. Uh, episode four. Yep. This is episode four. Thanks to all our friends and family listening and other people. I think we're getting other people. Listeners. Thanks to our listeners. Yeah. Uh, for supporting us. Oh, in we. Case go- anyone know, wants to know that this the episode, this is called uh, Two Idiots and you're listening to Two Idiots in an X-ray. I love when you drop your voice like that. You did it last week on the disclaimer, and yeah. people like noticed it. It's funny, and yeah. they loved it. You, you dropped your voice, and you were like, <clears throat> "This uh, topic may have some." And I was like, "Oh, wow, the, the, oh, the mature, oh yeah, the mature audience thing." Uh, yeah, we do curse in this. Yeah, yeah we do. Yeah, you did that whole yeah. thing, but I don't think we need to do it again. No, I'm not doing that. 
one thing we are going to have, we're introducing, it's going to be our first item, is going to be a coffee mug. Oh, ordered. Sell. Oh, you, you ordered, ordered coffee mug. Done. Done. So and um, it's a great coffee mug. Great coffee mug with our two mugs on it. Wow. <laughs> I like our that. Mugs are that, on the mug. Is that a limerick? <laughs> I've never said the word limerick in my life. All right. What is a limerick? I think it's a sort of, it's kind of like a poem. I, I'm not going to talk about it because I'm totally not an expert in this. <laughs> It's like an Irish. It's like an, Irish yeah, Irish. whatever. I, I do have a computer here. It's like a fact check. Anything yeah, but I, at the time it's going to take us to, to look up a limerick. It's not worth <clears> it. <throat> but let's talk about Larry Siegel. Yes, let's talk about this week's this week's subject, Larry Siegel. Let's talk about, let's not talk about Larry yet. Okay. Let's talk about, you You're you have a history in oh, music shit. production. Oh, shit. <laughs> you, you're a nerd. Uh, look, I'm like sweating. Home. Dude, get, get the EpiPen. <clears throat> take, take a drink of your coffee. Okay, get I'm the sorry, EpiPen. I clear my voice. I actually get one of yeah. those cough buttons that they have on radio. Where you right. Silence. Yeah, no, get the EpiPen. Steven, take a drink of your coffee. Take a deep breath. Yes. Cool uh, uh, okay, here we go. Okay, so your history, you left medical school, and you went to go sell t-shirts. Mostly... For live music uh, acts at shows, merchandising, merchandising, yeah. merchant um, uh, act shows. Went on a road with a tour called Tattoo the Earth. Who is the, who is the headliner? Slipknot, Seven Dust, Head PE, Nashville Pussy. It was it sounds horrible. It was crazy, and it was it was a tattoo festival. So it was a combination of rock and roll with tattoo artists, very famous tattoo artists, and people were getting tattooed at the festival. Crazy stories from that. Sort of experience. How many? How many? Uh, how many uh, shows did you do? Uh, we did the entire tour, uh-huh. and it was 50, 30? I was like, yeah, 40, 50 shows. And you did the merch for all of them. We did the merch for tattooed tattoo the earth. We handled the merch, uh-huh. and then we also um, sold the other merch, and we got like a like a, a little bit of a of a cut from it. Yeah, we sold the merch for the artist that were How there. How did you so, get to tattoo the earth? Long story, but sure. just we can. I'm not gonna go. We connected with the basically what would be the equivalent of Larry, the right? The production team and the guy who was producing the festival, yeah. and we sold them on the fact that we knew what the fuck we were doing. When we had no idea what we were doing, like completely out of our, our league. Yeah. We produced too much product. I mean, it was it was a shit show, a mess. Produced too much product. Had One of those beanies yeah. We again another thing. I lost money. What was that year? Uh, that was around 2000. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's 2000. So from there, you started just working in t-shirts and doing stuff and always had a peripheral kind of like toe in some sort of music side project or side of a side or something long term. Always fascinated by the music industry. And what's your fascination with music? Like Why? Listen, I can't carry a tune to save my life. I cannot play an instrument. None of that stuff. I've just always been fascinated by the music industry. I've always liked the industry. I've always found it fascinating. I think fashion, because you know, I was in the clothing yeah. clothing industry is kind of where I where I really landed. And now I'm in a different industry, more consumer electronic industry. I've always been very fascinated by the music industry, um, and I just always wanted to do something in it. And every single time I go into it, I it, it explodes, like not in a good way. Like in my face, yeah. Like more specific people. Like, yeah, like when, when I use the word falls apart. Yeah, when I use the word explodes, I mean catastrophic. Like, no, it's just, it's I just, mean, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. It, it, it's one it's of those. It's very difficult. It's a very challenging industry, and I think the people that are in the industry make it look easy. Yes, but they're also like to me. It feels like a lot of people in the industry are just trying to figure it out as they go along. Is it the luck factor, huge luck factor, and plus it's. 
any of the, those industries like Hollywood, so you, so you've the movie had a lot industry. Of bad luck. In that industry, yes. In other industries, I've been no, fine. In that, in but this, in that industry, can we like talk about the um, like you managed a band? I managed a band also uh, around that time, maybe a little bit after that time. Yeah, called the Smash Up. How many years were you managing that band? Maybe like two or three years. And managing has to do with like getting gigs and helping with yeah. the merch and doing like business stuff, or they had other people. Yeah, there? but what I was pretty good at doing was was connecting dots because that's been like my whole life connecting dots right Network. sales and networking and things of that nature so i was able to connect dots and i was able to get um actual players within the industry to show up and to listen to this band like they that's weren't good though they were good i don't think they were good enough to really go the distance they weren't they didn't differentiate themselves enough correct well you, you know the guitar player who is, happens to be a really good guy um he he had this thing about spitting into the crowd like i don't know why he just did it like like but not like just spit that. it was like huge loogies like he would like and i had a a major player from roadrunner records show up at a uh at one of the shows and i think it was at arlene's grocery you know and I just remember the guitar player like hawking a loogie that went across. And I think, I don't think it hit him, but it may have hit the person next to him. And I just remember him just, the guy just walking out. Like he just left. Like it was just yeah. too much. So they not, were like heavy, they weren't like heavy metal. They were, they were like heavy metal punk. Yeah, yeah. Punk, rock, whatever. So yeah, so I worked with those guys. What was that guy's name? The guitarist? Vin? Vin, yeah, yeah. He was a guitarist too. He was a great guitarist. I mean, phenomenal. I, the, Watt was the lead was singer, Watt. great voice. Yeah. Anthony was a drummer. drummer. Rich was the bass player. Yeah. I mean, they were all great dudes. Yeah. It just, the chance of, of hitting it in that in very that industry difficult. is very, very difficult. Yeah, well, like, you know, just knowing my cousin Adam, what he's gone through, and he's got this great career, and, uh, and he's, you know, had a lot of fans. It's just not, sometimes it just doesn't. You know, some people make it. Some people hit it big. Yep. And some people just grind out a career. I would always say to them, it's going to be a layup. Like, I knew what the fuck I was talking about. But I always, you have to have a certain level of confidence when you go into things, even when you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to accomplish things. Basically, be an idiot. Correct. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. And I did that. So if there's everything that it. you're an, not an, 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 ex, an idiot in, it's music. Oh, yeah. So the Smash Up was one of them. Yep. I right here. Oh, Edie. Yeah, I did that. Another artist got involved in. That was so in weird. But that was a fa that was a relatively fast one. I, she, she again, very talented, a great voice. How did you find her? Uh, through someone else. We I co-managed. <laughs> 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 Thinking that the other person would know more than I did, and still, you know, didn't work. But when you're dealing with artists, what I've realized, and this is to me, I think, a learning lesson that I, I think I'm there now. You're dealing with that artist from a management perspective and you're dealing with all their idiosyncrasies and all their issues and all their... So if they've got anxiety or if they've got father issues, you have to take that on. It's almost like you're a therapist, you're a manager, you're doing all these roles. You're not just managing the artist's right. career, totally. you're managing the person. And that in itself is very challenging. And for me, I got five kids. I'm trying to manage them in a way. Like, they're, they're my focus. And here I am having to deal with, I, like... Let's say, you know what? There's a question we should ask Larry. Is, huh. In his opinion, being in the industry for so long, why are some success, some acts successful? And he's been... Some, let me finish my thought. Some yep. acts successful and some not. His focus, as we'll talk about with him, is was yep. bands that people never may have never heard of, most of them. It was his his you know his festival became very popular? Yeah, Catskill Chill. Catskill Chill became very popular, but at his level, like it wasn't doing you know a hundred thousand people. I'm going to start with this, and I've learned this from being successful within the other fields that I'm in, like in consumer electronics and, and clothing. It starts with the product, right? So the artist, in a way, is an artist, but it's a product. So they have to be great at that. We'll start with that. Meaning, if you're a mid level or low level, it's going to be very difficult 
to ever, wow, I just hit puberty there. You're going to have to, at 48, you're going to have to hit it and, and it's going to have to work. But what, what I'm, but when it comes to like, the, so you need the product first. The artist has to be very talented. Then it comes to all the other things. Like you have to have an artist who has drive. Right, and you have to have an right artist time. who has focus. Right place, right, right place. But those are things that you can't really teach someone. Like no. with certain artists, like they just didn't have the drive or the motivation. Right. They didn't care enough right. to like, they wouldn't show up to the studio on time or they were always late. And you're like, what the fuck is more important than being on the studio on time yeah. or, or, or honing your craft? That's frustrating. And to me, it's like, I can't, teach you to do that like I can't motivate you you have to motivate yourself so I think a lot of artists fall into that problem where they want it or they say they want it but just putting it out there in the ether I love that word what is ether ether is like the universe like the world you put in ether I don't think will make you successful you have to actually work hard and that's why you know I created this thing sweat equity right you have to build sweat equity you have to work hard in order for something to get accomplished totally right so that was speaking of sweat equity yes the elephant in the room hmm. was your event Ooh. production experience. Yeah, so campfire. You did a camp, you did a festival. I did a music festival. Let me but listeners at home. That that broke me. <laughs> like in so many ways, it broke it's not me. Really funny. No, it pretty much. Did. Yeah, I like the way you laughed. You like giggled. It, it broke me. I uh, people might ask if I'm an expert in music. No, the answer is no. I'm an expert in listening to music. I'm also an expert in. Uh, I'm gonna rephrase that. Idiot in supporting you. Yes. So I was always, I went to events, I'd go to stuff, if you need my help with anything, bounce ideas off me. Yes. Most, I don't know what else I could have done, but I was never, you know. In, in our I, podcast, we always have a moment where like we're about to hug. This is another one of those. You've always been there for me when I've been at my highest and my lowest. Campfire, I think, was the lowest I wanted things I've ever to work been. for you. No, I, and I want things to work for you, but you've always been that yeah. sort of friend. And that's why this is great, even if. Only 600 people listen to it. And, and, or no one ever listens or again. Or no one ever listens again. It'd be great. Yeah. So fun. you've always been there. Our as, love affair continues. Yes. Especially when I'm at my lowest. And that by far was my lowest that ever. That weekend. Yes. I, I showed up. Brutal. It was six years ago? 2014. And it was Labor Day weekend. Yeah. And I got there on Tuesday or yep. Wednesday night. The show, the festival was Friday night, sat, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. So Friday, I think we had Saturday, like a... Sunday. A Thursday night. No, we didn't. No. I don't remember. No. I tried to block the entire year. I don't know what happened in 2014. <laughs> you, you, I got there and there was so many people in production and it was pretty impressive. And I'm like, where do you want me? And we went to a staff meeting and I was like, whoa. There were like nine or ten different department heads. And I'm like, whoa. I was, oh, Lee, way, I was so out of my league. So, like, beyond an idiot. Like, I was completely just overwhelmed it was the most over now listen you were overwhelmed when i got there oh yeah that I, week before you were up there for like three weeks dude i was having a nerve i was straight up having a nervous breakdown no you weren't uh yeah at that point you were pretty nervous yeah i mean you were doing a good job of hiding it at that point when i got there it was i, I was like oh by the way listeners at home i was the head i was the head of the uh of the the financial yeah he was, was, he, was you were the he cfo wanted me, he wanted me to watch the money yeah you were the CFO. my job was to pay attention to the money um, well, I need someone I, I could trust. I did very good. No, he did a great job. I Listen, I think without going into too much of the gritty well, details because it's so painful, but I think what it was is that I, I got into something that was way beyond me, that was way beyond my control. Like I, I thought I knew enough to know and I didn't. And I trusted a lot of people and I took their also, word for you things. And also did you built a budget based off of an expectation of a, a low amount of people. Y yes, but what I've, what I've learned 
from that point afterwards, after speaking to, I met with the guy from who started Red Firefly. Uh, yeah, Firefly, Red Frog events. I spoke to him. I spoke to a lot of people in the Larry. industry. Larry. And they're like, Steve, you had no chance of even coming close to breaking even, let alone making any money, letting, uh, anything. So my expectation going in was so distorted and so just not correct. Right. Like, I would need to have built that thing for four years later to maybe see a return on right. investment. If that, And I'm sure Larry will speak to this. <clears throat> yeah. Because when you're in the festival business... It is not a quick turn sort of no, business. It not. could take years or it can never happen. Right. And what's funny is I actually listened to a whole podcast or, or YouTube video on um, the guys from Barstool Sports. They did the same sort of thing that I did on a much larger scale, of right. course. Almost caused them to be bankrupt. Same sort of thing. They got into the music production, dealing oh, with really? artists. Yeah, it's really fascinating. I'll send you the clip. And I watched it actually last night. Uh -huh. Just, you know, I was just doing my thing. I was watching it. And I was just like, it's one of those things. Festival production, doing a, a even a show, is so many moving parts. Artists, managers, booking talent, agents, right. all these things. I was so incredible, incredibly out of my comfort zone and out of my element that I just, it imploded. It imploded fast. But with all that being said, it was a great festival. Yeah, people had fun. People loved it. They had a great time. Friends of mine who, who attended it, kind of like this podcast, um, they said it was... They had it a great was, time. They, I mean, it was, it was a blast. I worked. I didn't sleep. I saw you at your lowest, and I felt really bad, and I couldn't do nothing about it. Yeah. And I roamed around camp at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, just seeing weirdo things going on. Yep. Uh, pe people, yeah. Just yeah, I was dealing with a lot of craziness. I met, like, this kid who was sleeping in the woods, Yeah. who goes and sleeps in the woods at festivals and sneaks in. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was weird. It there was, was so many weirdos, dude. It was it was so um, crazy. And then, uh, yeah, I had to I refereed a couple battles. Yeah, it was nuts. Battles. It was nuts. I, I just remember, I, you know, not again get too much into the weeds, but I I remember at the end of it, like just I had like a four wheeler just driving into like a forest somewhere, and I was just like, it, I was like, maybe I shouldn't like leave, just like stay in the forest forever. You like took a nap. You hadn't slept. You yeah, and took a nap. And yeah. then you were gone. Like, we didn't see you. Yeah, I like disappeared. You and it, lost a ton of weight. Yeah, I, I was a mess. But with that being said, I think the important part is is that you pick yourself up. Yes. And you just keep it moving, yep. and you just yep. figure it out, yep. and you just keep it going, and try and this. yeah, you, you try your best. I mean, that I've looked at life, and I know this is gonna sound weird, as like one big dartboard, right? And and the analogy is is that you you take Sorry, you, you take darts and you throw them. Right. Some of the darts will hit. You know, you're always trying to go for the bullseye, whatever that is, complete happiness, success, family, all that other, like, you keep throwing darts. Most of these darts, or some of them, might not even hit the board. Like, they may go far out. Like, you only, like, Gary Van, Gary Vanderchuk, what's his name? Uh, Vanderchuk. Vanderchuk. Always Very says, good. he has this thing where he says, like, you know, you've got one ticket on the ride of life, so enjoy it or something to that sort of effect. Mm -hmm. We're basically, you know, you've got really one life. So you might as well do things. You don't want to look back. Like, right. I don't think I'm going to look back at my life at the end and be like, shit, man, I wish I would have done this. Or I wish I would have tried that. I've tried a lot of crazy shit. I've lost a lot of times. I've won a few times. But, like, you got to throw the darts, right? You got to at least put yourself out there. At least try. You know, at least give it a shot. Now I'm getting, as I get older, I'm trying to make those a little bit more educated, a little bit trying to be smarter with how I throw my dart. You know, rather than just going full in. Because I went into this, I dove headfirst into a pool that had no water. I mean, it was bad. 
So, yeah. whatever. Right. Good. Cool. Uh, let's do... Um, <clears throat> today's episode is sponsored by Board of Authority. For this month of November, Board of Authority is offering our listeners 20% off their entire order. Why am I talking this way? There goes the voice again. It's anytime you have to do a disclaimer or an ad, your voice changes. But keep going. I love it. Just use the code 2IDIOTS, T-W-O IDIOTS, at checkout. T-W-O, visit Board of Authority. It sounds like someone's squeezing your balls. (laughs) Or find the link on our podcast notes. Uh, and browse our collection of t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and masks, and get a sneak preview of the BOA Technical Outerwear line launching next winter. We love BOA, and we know you will, too. There it is. Um, yeah. We're going to bring Larry on. Yeah. Excited and, about that. And I'm excited, and uh, we'll uh, be right back. And we're back. We're back. We got Larry Siegel uh, with us. There he is. Yeah, Larry, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'll run through your Thank bio. You. Um, Larry Siegel has been in the world of entertainment and creativity all his life. He began his professional career as the camp director for French Woods Festival of the Performing Arts. French Woods is one of the top performing arts camps in the world. From there, he started his own music festival called Catskill Chill, which I was lucky enough to attend. Yes. The final we, one. We both were I don't there. know if that's a good thing. Maybe we, we, we were, maybe we're the problem. Yeah. By the way, Larry, when, when Lee does... <laughs> When Lee does all of his ad reads, he completely changes his voice. I love it. Continue. I love it. The, the festival took place at the grounds of French Woods and was a unique concept that combined the camp world with the world of music. The festival became an instant success and rose from 1,200 to its first year to over 5,500 in year five. After great success in the, mes- in, in the festival marketplace, Larry became the business developer for Backbone International at a Netherlands-based international pro- production and events company. While still helping Backbone, Larry took on the role of general manager for City Parks Foundation Summer Stage in Central Park in New York City. Summer, page, Summer Stage is part of a larger nonprofit organization whose goal is to bring parks to life and provide few mu- free musical and dance events to the citizens and visitors of New York City. In addition to this, Larry has also been putting on his own shows in Ireland, uh, Iceland. Iceland. Well, he's in Ireland next. Iceland, Ireland next. Yeah, that's the next iteration. I'll, I'll tell you about that as we go. At the Harpa Conference and Events Center in Reykjavik. Wow. Wow. Right. What a career. Nice. All right. 20 plus years in music and in production and event production. 20 plus years in, 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 in your career. You know, what did I miss on the bio? Like, what, any other highlights? or Highlights? I mean, the, the camps... The camp is definitely a highlight. Uh, it started me off, you know. Um, I started doing staff shows, concerts for the staff. And that's how I got into the music business. Because I went to college with uh, the guys from Particle. And uh, it was just a natural transition. Staff parties, 20 bucks a cup, to putting on a, a you know massive music festival. So, so, Larry, before we get into the festival business, music and all that other fun stuff... You know, some people know you. Some people have no idea who you are. So let's start with where did Larry grow up, and a little bit of like your background, like what kind of school you went to. Little little background uh, background of, of Larry Siegel. Sure, I grew up in uh, Marine Park, Brooklyn, New York, and uh, went to local local PS two twenty two and uh, Madison High School, and then I moved to Rockland County, and uh, then we moved to Florida. Moved Florida for a few years. Gotcha. And were you were you always in the music sort of like? Did you play an instrument? Did you sing? Were you in a I choir? Never played an instrument? No, uh, because I also attended the camp uh, French Woods. You know, it was a very musical camp. 
you know, we had rock, we had theater, we had dance. So it's very artsy. And I got to meet a lot of people that are currently, you know, big machas in the Broadway and, and, uh, and rock and roll business. Right. Wait, wait, when you went to the camp, if you didn't play an instrument, what was, was there like a focus or was just, you were just hanging out? I was just hanging out, you know. You weren't, yeah. doing, you weren't doing dance? I was in some shows, you know, I was in some shows. I did production, I did video production, lights, sound, stuff like that. So even at a young age, you were, that was your, that was where you, were, your, yeah. where you ended up? Yeah. Larry, was it like, you know, in that movie American Pie when they talk about band camp and everyone's just kind of like fucking everyone? Was it like that or not really? Kind of like that. I mean, the only reason you get into a show is because the out women outnumber you. Me checks one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. If I could redo my camp, I think I would have done a, 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 a like a band camp esque sort you of think thing. So? Yeah. 100%. I never wanted the lead because that was too much work. You couldn't hang out with the girls. You got to get the chorus. So you just, you know, you wait, wait, wait to, to your part. And then, you know, you're chatting them up. I mean, I just thought like being an outgoing guy, like going to a camp like that would be interesting to like put yourself out there at a young age. Yeah. And that was like. <laughs> Some kids really put themselves out there. I wasn't one of them, but I, I did. I was in the shows. Gotcha. Okay. So did you put on any, were you in music production back in high school did you put on any shows did you do like some or did it really start with with french woods it really started with french woods when i was like 20 right out of you know in college i kind of put on did you some, go to college uh, ithaca college oh. ithaca college i put on some you know of course i grew up going to fish shows in the dead so you know all that stuff wrapped around that and just seeing the whole parking lot scene and i put on some shows in the parking lot of, of some uh, Amherst College and Rochester. And are you a time. big Are you a big fish fan? How many shows have you been to? I've been to over two hundred fish shows. Wow, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I don't know if that's like big in the fish world, but that's pretty good. I, yeah, I don't know. You know, I stopped counting after after two hundred. Got it. Yeah. Okay, so so you're in French Woods, and did you just decide to like put on a show? Like, how did the I guess the Catskill Chill or the concept of it come? Was it you? Was it your partners? Like, how did that? Even so, uh, yeah, three of us who went to camp together decided, you know, prior to putting on Catskill Chill, we had a guy contact the owner of French Woods, and he's like, hey, I, I want to bring my event to the camp. Well, it turned out to be like a, a pot fest, you know, legalized marijuana rally. And I was like, wow, you know, we can put in on the, a festival here. In the middle, and this is in the, the mid-90s. This is the, now this was like 2004. Okay, got it. Really. You know, and, and 2004, and so they put on this, this pot cannabis festival, and they had this rinky-dink stage, you know, with a little tent over it. And I was like, wow, I, I, we could do this ourselves. And then, like, I invited some of my friends up to help out that weekend, and we all got together. We're like, let's, let's put on a real concert here. None of this rinky-dink pot, legalized pot stuff. And, uh, and yeah, our first year we had Soul Live headline and, and we had about 800 people. It was a little disappointing to turn out, but once people saw the property, the next year we tripled in, and it just grew from there. It was just such a great, great time. Everyone had these cabins and the cabins got together. We had funny contests and, and photos with, we went around and we took photos of everyone. I have photos of all these great cabins and how they dressed them up. It, it's, it's amazing. 
So, so did each one of your partners, did you each have a different role or you were all kind of like all in it? Like one guy did production, one guy got talent agent. Like how did that all break itself out? We, we, were, we were all in it. Um, you know, we kind of did everything. But Josh and Dave were kind of mostly the big bookers. And I was, I was the facility and the production side of it. You know, I built it out. It was, it was my vision for where the stages were, where the vending area were, where camping, parking was. So that was, that was all me. Those guys basically, they, you know, of course I picked some of the bands as well, but they, they focused on marketing and, and, and hiring the bands. Right, because I remember when I did my festival, which I took an absolute bloodbath on on, yeah. on year one, and I think most people do, and I didn't yeah. realize that going into it. I had to deal with, like, the township. And, yes. like, that was a crazy sort of experience dealing with, you know, the township. It was nuts. I mean, I, I had to, like, say Pledge of Allegiance in front right. of them, and they looked at me like, if, I, if this guy doesn't know the Pledge of Allegiance, he is not putting Wait, on a festival. Really? Yeah, I went to, I they had it in, 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 uh, in an old sort of like railroad house. They did like a meeting. I remember they, they had a meeting. That, and there was were that four, for Lobby? Was that for Lobby? Yeah, yeah. And there were, there were four people there. And yeah, they were I like, a, oh, dude, it was crazy. Backward, backward place ever in terms yeah. of getting permits. <laughs> it, it was nuts. And I just remember, I'm, there are four people there all in overalls, pretty much. Yep. And they're looking at me like I'm from like another planet. And they're like, do you mind leading us in a pledge of allegiance? And I'm like, oh, shit. Did you know it was coming? No, I had no idea. And I'm like, if I don't say this correctly, I might not make it out of here. Like, they might <laughs> hang me. They have a pitchfork out front. Out front. <laughs> yeah, they might like, burn you. me. And I was like, as I'm saying it, I'm like, thank God I remember Pledge of Allegiance. Um, and yeah, and then we started the meeting and it all worked out. But have you, I mean, I assume you had to deal with that. You know, just so, so truth be told, uh, my first foray at the festival of Frenchwoods, I never got a permit. <laughs> I kind of was like, I threw the party. I was like, you know what? What's the worst that could happen? They come and say, you need a permit. So they, one year after, after year three, they were like, hey, we hear you're doing a music festival. You, you really need to get a permit. I'm like, I, I do. And so they were like, yeah. Well, and you were at, at that point, you're already at a couple thousand people. I was already at a couple thousand people. It's unbelievable. That's great. Were, were you, go, were you like thinking, Larry, to yourself, like it's, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission? Was that kind yeah, of like at that point? You know, I was like, we have a permit to operate a summer camp, and that runs until the end of September. So this is kind of a summer camp. What can be included? Right? Yeah, but a summer camp usually doesn't have like tons of weed. And like recreational yeah. sex everywhere. Right. Well, we, we got away with murder, uh, you know, because I had a great relationship with the, the Department of Health in New York. And they just kind of rubber stamped my, I, I get a camping permit. They gave me a temporary camping permit. Got it. Otherwise, I'd have to get a mass gathering permit. And I always said that our population was under 2,500. You know, 2,500 was our max, even though we had 6,000 our last year, you know, because... How many years did you did you do Catskill Chill? How many what, years? How years? Yeah, uh, we did it for six, seven years. Seven God. years. Wow. And, and I found that your fans, at least the Catskill Chill fans, are like one of the most loyal. Like they loved your like till today. Like I'll look yeah. at your website, and they're still like, "Are you guys going to come back? When are you going to do the chill again?" How yeah. did you create that? Like, I mean, was it just like a family like? It was all grassroots. We never paid for marketing, really. We went door to door, almost like running a campaign. We went, 
to co- Josh and I went to colleges and knocked on dorm doors and handed them like handed them a, a flyer, you know, and we and we went to fish shows and personally handed you're invited too, like an invitation. Right. And went to and met every single person that attended our festival. You know, this was all face to face meeting. Wow. It wasn't it wasn't done through Facebook. It wasn't done through Instagram or anything today. It's so person non-personal today. We were really personal. We got up there, we went to regional shows, you know, we had bands shout us out from stage, and we built this 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 hardcore family. This do you family. think that, do you think that the people who attended the the Catskill Chill did they come back because of the vibe? Or did they come because of the, the, the band that were playing they liked? Well, I always said that the camp was the headliner, you know, mm. and, and the, the vibe was the headliner and the music was icing on the top. You right. know, of course, you know, they're not going to come if you have some, some janky band. Lee and Steven and Larry but, playing you know, drums. We managed love. You know, you guys love. I was in Mexico at the fish show and some of your friends came up to me it was dark and they're all like larry catskill chill and they're just hugging me out of the fish shows people just come up to me and be like catskill chill is the, the best time of my life ever wow that's amazing I, you know it's interesting the whole music thing it, it intrigues me because like you said the other guys were doing a lot of the booking and you were involved but like how you how you decided the bands to choose who were the headliners what did you expect from the headliners you know were, were they were were people coming like you said they weren't coming for the headliners and the or the they were just they were coming because of the vibe in the camp yeah. and um it it was uh so how did you pick the the acts the music acts well we we wanted to stay true to our fan base so we we you know we cultivated some acts like twiddle and pigeons playing ping pong you know they they were young kids when we found them and they were playing you know and and they almost rose up every year they they went from the the C stage, the smallest stage, to the big stage, it was it was amazing. And now look at them today. Yeah. But uh, you know, we we saw had a good ear. Josh and Dave and myself had a good ear for what was good. We saw what was rising amongst the college scene, and and we were able to pick bands before they became the hundred thousand dollar band or the right fifty thousand dollar band. So and, and what we did was very unique. Is after year two or three, we decided, you know what, let's create bands. So we took Dopapod and Turquoise and put them together. And then no one, you know, you can't, you can't pay a high amount for a band that no one's ever heard of, but they're two great bands together. So, you know, we did a lot of cover bands, t- took, you know, Twiddle and made them do Twiddle Does the Dead or something. And that saved us a lot of money and we were able to pack the, 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 the yeah. one year I was the I was at the show, I saw a not at French Woods when it moved. No, over. when it moved over, I yeah. saw a two a.m. set of a mixed band playing Michael Jackson songs for two hours. Right there, you I go. I couldn't believe what I. It was amazing. It was yeah, the was Michael like, Jackson stuff. I mean that you know that it, it's a secret because it saves you a lot of money because now you're not paying for that band, you're paying the individuals. Right. Yeah, we had a good we had a good time. The the guys like I remember part you your buddies with with a guy from Particle. What's his name? Steve? Eric Gould and Steve Mullins. Yeah. And Steve, yeah, I remember hanging out with Steve. He's not such a nice guy. And then yeah. we saw them play in the morning and I was like, they were great. 
Yeah. I like those guys. We had a lot of fun. There's a picture of us that was on Instagram of me and Steven and my wife on in like the in like by ourselves in like the VIP section, and we're on those blow up um, um, couches, I guess you uh-huh. call them. Yeah. And yeah. Just vibing out in the sun to you know particle. Yeah, it was the best. You know, Particle had one of the best sets at Bonnaroo in 2002. They played a sunrise set in in the lot with everybody, and it just blew. It just blew up from there. They, you know, they they took off until they broke up. Yeah, that's a whole nother. Yeah. So, so I remember, you know, from a fest from a festival perspective, like the financial part of this business is extremely difficult. It is. Yeah. So. From year one to I guess year seven, was it was it always like a miss, or were there some hits, or was it just like just getting this thing going was always challenging? You know, getting it going is always challenging. Year one, year two, year three, year three we kind of broke even. Year four, five, and six was once we moved to lobby, then we lost our, a lot because you know we had we had French Woods dialed in. We knew we knew what we wanted. And then to have a new site, it, it always takes, you know, another two or three. It's like you're resetting, you know, because you, you don't know the finances in, in that site. So, it, it, you know, we, we, went out, we went out with a bang. But, uh, you know, hey, we provided something good for, for a lot of people, for great memories. Yeah, I, I remember you saying something to the effect of, like, because when it comes to, like, recreational drug use, there's a lot of it at these yeah. festivals. And like controlling it and stuff like that. Like, how do you deal with, or at least, I mean, I know I was trying to deal with it. Like when people like maybe push it a little too far or when they like, you know, like that to me was always like a risk. Like, you know, you know, some of these people go a little bit extreme. Like, how do you manage that? Uh, Well, I mean, that's why you have a full medical team and you have a security team and you do your best you can searching everyone coming into the festival site. As long as, you know, we don't find, you know, a distributor and, right. and, you know, but if we find stuff, we're going to confiscate it. And we had, we did confiscate a lot of stuff, but you know, there's going to be people everywhere that, that, you know, it's masks or no masks. It's the same thing. You know, do, are you going to do drink responsibly or are you going to get in your car and drive drunk? You know, and we right. tried to avoid that. I mean, luckily, you know, I would, anytime anyone had to go to the hospital, I, I would send somebody to get them and bring them back <laughs> if it wasn't serious. And uh, we, we took care of all our patrons really well. But yeah. It, it's people a fine line. People. It's a fine line, you know. You just hope, hope people are responsible. And you kind of like highlight funny stories that are like, you're like, this is a crazy one Any that you can uh, tell us about? There's a whole bunch. Uh, so there's the naked guy, our second year, the naked guy who tried to shove glow sticks up his butt. <laughs> Wait, tried or was successful? He, try- he tried and he broke the glow stick and, and he was yeah. just like shaking his stuff all around. He was like glowing when we found him. From like the inside? Like it worked? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he, he's a cure for coronavirus. You know? <laughs> was he trying to be like a lantern or something? Like I don't get it. We don't, we don't know. There was another guy who thought he was on fire and jumped into the lake. <laughs> he wasn't on fire. Yeah, right. <laughs> there was no fires allowed. Yeah, no, none of that. None of that. Uh, we had a guy who, uh, you know, went into a, a, a K-hole and he was uh, rigor mortis set in, you know. He couldn't move. 
he couldn't move. So we, we would, uh, you know, position his hands in like a Hitler <laughs> salute and like, you know, weird different, you know, poses, saluting people. He couldn't move. And he was, he was frozen. There. He was acknowledging us, but he couldn't move. For how long? Was he like that? Four or five hours. What? <laughs> we had a doctor mo monitoring his vitals. He didn't need to go to the hospital. It's. I've never heard of that. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it was. It's pretty crazy. So he just like kind of froze. You just like put him in different he kind positions. Of froze. It was, you know, amazing. <laughs> what? Um. Yeah. What about like talent themselves? Like, do you have any like where I assume most of these guys are like good guys? But did you have any issues with talent where you're like, just get the fuck over? You know, just leave. You know, we, we didn't. Uh, most talent was very humble, and they loved when we, especially when we were at French Woods, they loved it there because yeah. the, the greenhouse was this old farmhouse at French Woods. But even when we went to lobby, you know, Mike Gordon was playing ping pong with Jay Lane from Primus, and they were just like campers. They were being campers. Right. They loved it. Yeah, you know, I remember Abe, that. Yeah. Abe loved it. He says, This is really what a festival should be. The Bonnaroos of the world, they suck because it's so anonymous. You know, you're just you're just in this massive crowd, and that's why they call it this tent. That tent. What stage? That stage. You know, it's it's just so not personal, you know. Yeah, so commercial, so mainstream, so just you yeah. know. Yeah, they I'm remove. I'm not putting them down. I mean, that's right. of course you need that. You want to see those big. You know, I saw the police at Bonnaroo. I saw, you know, fish at Bonnaroo. I saw Bruce Springsteen at Bonnaroo. There was some great times at Bonnaroo, but it's uh, if you don't have one of those magical passes. It's uh, not comfortable to be around. Steven says it to me all the time. He's like, I'm like, let's go to Bon, like a couple of years ago. I'm like, let's go. He's like, Lee, I am too old to be general admission. Yeah. I'm like, all right. So we got to like call some yeah. favorites. I, I want an RV. I, I want, want yeah. like, I want full. He's like, I'm not, I'm like, are you sure? He's like, I'm not sleeping in a freaking tent. It's not happening. Well, my friend, my friend, Dan Berkowitz, who runs CID um, Entertainment, he has the Rockstar package at Bonnaroo. You could uh, rent a tour bus. You have a private chef and a golf cart at your disposal. And, you know. Sounds right up our alley. Book, book it, Larry. <laughs> that I'll do. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. It's a great program. It yeah. Never come back. Have you thought about, like, getting back into the festival? Like, doing another one? Yeah, I've been looking at some camps uh, over now, especially now that camps, most camps closed last season. Yeah. They're like, well, anything you got, we'll take, you know? I saw someone put on a festival. Like, everyone got rapid tested, a small one. There's been a couple small yeah, Element, Elements did one. Elements. Yes. Did you hear uh, from those? They lost, lost some money on that, but. Uh, they, but they had a good experience and there was no drama. Yeah, no, no, no drama. There was about 200 people. They. They, you know, they rapid tested. I, I just threw a party uh, in the city with uh, some very high profile celebrities after right. Saturday Night Live. And uh, they tested everybody coming in there. Rapid tested that night. Right. So I was in testing everyone. They would go in the bubble, wait until their test was complete, and then they can go downstairs to the basement. Great. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so you, you finish a Catskill Chill, and then you transition into Summer Stage, which is a lot more co corporate, right? Like, we're talking, this is this is a real deal sort of... Real, real venue in the yeah. heart of New York City. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you, you're not winging it. You're getting permits and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. We're not winging it. We're definitely getting permits. Uh, we work hand in hand. We're almost partners with the parks department. Uh, the the trick is is that you know we're only allotted certain days that we can have permits, and the the key to being a venue in Central Park is I believe it's a ratio of 70 to 30, 70% free, 30% can be paid. So then we partner with Bowery Presents, which is AEG Live, to do the pay Got it. show up. Got it, got it, got it. I saw, I don't think, I don't remember, we talked, you were busy when we saw you two years ago. Dispatch. Dispatch. I saw. Dispatch. I saw Weezer. Yeah. Summer Stage in 1995. You're right. And then they just played, oh, that was Guster. Guster, same, same size. <laughs> Gust, uh, Guster was, yeah. a, uh, Guster's great. Um, I yeah, saw Weezer yeah. a long time ago. I remember you sending me a picture of like Taylor Swift and like Good Morning America sets. And I'm like, this is a far cry from doing twiddle at, you know, Catskill Chill. So yeah. what's it like when you start dealing with like, again, an artist is an artist, but when you start dealing with like a Taylor Swift, I, I imagine there's got to be a lot more from a production standpoint. There's a lot more from, I mean, production, forget about, you know, you're like $20,000 light rig compared to a $100,000 light rig, you know, your your production is is out of control. Uh, Security, you know, you have to have, when you have an artist like Taylor Swift, you have a briefing with, you know, almost like Department of Homeland Security, you know, NYPD task force, Taylor Swift security, we go through mug shots. We hand that out to, you know, at the door to look to see if any of her stalkers are there. Or, wow. You know, there, there's there's a definitely whole... a picture of Lee in that. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look pretty. I, I look kind of stalkerish. Yeah. So yeah. All, that's, all that's going on at, you know, arena shows that you see. You know, when I had Liam Gallagher, he had people that we were on the lookout for, you know, that try to come in buy tickets under assumed names or whatever, just to get in to throw something at his face or try to kiss him or, you know, there's been people. There's now, been did, did you find that these artists, were they manageable or were they just like, some of them just, just not, ma- like they're just like, they're, they're requesting the green room, the way they treated their staff or are the most of these guys, like just good guys, they just happen to be a celebrity. There, there were some artists that were, you know, like, a little tough to deal with, you know, B- we had BTS and, oh. and there are just so many of them. I think there's 10 of them or 12 of them. And, you know, we had a you black out curtains in the dressing room because the windows that we couldn't see in and like all kinds of stuff around the dressing room so they could be shrouded. Uh, you know, we also had, I forgot who the artist was, but the cops were, cops kids were really into the artist. And she didn't want to come out and give, you know, autographs or, or pictures. So the cops surrounded her RV and they were like, she's going to have to come out eventually. Wow. <laughs> and we're the cops. They basically told our security guards, we got this. You guys could leave. So our security guys were dismissed and she stayed in there for like two, three hours and finally came out and had a sign autographs and everything you know you had the captain or the tenant right high level high ranking high level you know and they're pushing their their daughters in there come on 
That's funny. <laughs> Unbelievable. How is, how's it been going with, I mean, COVID's crushed you, I'm sure, but how, how are you doing? So, well, I'm doing great. Uh, COVID, uh, you know, crushed the live entertainment, but we're putting on virtual shows, uh, Amazon, Twitch, just, uh, you know, RP, online series. So we're, we're producing some shows. Who, like what, what kind of, like what kind of music or what kind of acts? We did Gloria Gaynor. You know, I don't know if you know, she's from the seventies. I will survive, you know, mm -hmm. killing sure. yourself. Uh, we had, uh, you know, some ur urban, some hip hop, some pop, uh, nothing, nothing major, you know, nothing major. I think our, you know, the, the biggest act is like Eddie Palmieri. You heard of Eddie Palmieri, big mm -hmm. Latin. I went on a, I did watch Twiddle on one of their live, like virtual shows. I think it was in, yeah. uh, June or something or in May. It was early on. They did something. It was, it was like, you know, for, small 45 minute set, but it was fun. Um, yeah, it, it's it's uh, evolving. The online stuff is certainly evolving. You know, uh, there's a lot, lot of virtual stuff now where you can put Oculus classes on and sort of oh, wow. be in the crowd. Um, Melody, Melody VR is a great app. They, they actually came to Summer Stage two years ago and did the Blink-182 show. And you could be on stage with the artist. You could be in the crowd or you could be in like the balcony. So there's three vantage points, and you, you, it's a 360 experience. It's great. Did Summer Sage talk at all about, I mean, in your meetings, about coming back for this summer? Or is it like just we've got to see what happens? I, you're very, I mean, if, if people know Larry and they follow his uh, Facebook, whatever, or Instagram, he always, I mean, super positive. I mean, I think you're most, most probably the most optimistic, positive yeah. guy I know. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, like, what – like, what do you see happening with Summer Stage? But, but more from a live production, what do you see happening? I know it's vaccines and all that stuff. Yeah, so, my, I mean, my, my hope for getting us back together is I hope that we can ramp up testing. If we ramp up and do these 10-minute, 15-minute testing and we can bring the price down to $5 and build it into a, 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 the ticket price, you know, there's a way in. You know, there's there's a way back to getting into arenas, and they're doing this in in other countries. Um, however, you know, I I pitched this whole idea of uh, doing socially distant solo artists concerts in in Central Park to the city, and was shot down. But it would basically be ten hours of programming, one hour shows, one. Uh, uh, solo artists playing acoustic, whether it's comedian or, uh, you know, acoustic guitar, something like that. And then just rotating crowds in, you know, 300 at a time spread out six feet apart. And they, they didn't like that idea. But uh, I think there's a way forward. I think we're looking at next year reducing capacity and having people separated, drawing circles on the ground. We have three or four models that we're, you know, we're, we're looking at and projecting for... I mean being in the being in central park and being in new york city it's like you're trying to do the hardest thing in the hardest place yeah if you're in, if you're in um i don't know uh, iceland no I was, well, <laughs> I was gonna say like rochester new york you know like if you're in you know it's, yeah. a, it's a different like there's more people it it's it a is. different animal i mean it almost makes more sense like the camp stuff you were talking doing small like imagine you did every like you found a camp that's just done and they're like every week you did 150 people yeah, we're looking at that. I, you know, the finances, the ticket has to be high because, you know, right. to cover the costs. Totally. At least. You know, I, I know a lot of people. 
Go ahead. The, the more curated, like intimate, like maybe that's the path back in the yeah. short term. Yeah, people were doing these backyard shows this summer. You know, it's like 150 people, $200 ticket type type deals. Um, it, it, it's good. It's good and it's bad. I know people that, that got cleaned doing these drive-ins. Uh, you know, the profit was was just non-existent. And, and they put it's a, it was a labor of love. They just wanted to keep it going. Uh, but I, I didn't get involved in there because, you know, you put so much time and energy into it. And, you know, to make $100 at the end of the night after right. you pay everybody, it's just... Yeah. Right. So Larry, what is going on in Iceland? Like, have they figured this out better? Like, are you still doing shows out there? Like what's so, what are they doing? We had three sold out shows in Iceland with Humphrey McGee. And, uh, when? we were trying, we were trying to put them on. Everybody was go gung ho. March 18th was the weekend of the shows. And March 15th is when we postponed. That's when really the U S shut down travel, Europe shut down travel, and Iceland was doing great until a bunch of their nationals traveled to Italy, you know, because Italy got hit hard. And then when it came back to Iceland and then it spread, they got it under control and then they opened back up for tourism to, and then it came back. So they they closed back down. Um, you know, they, they didn't really have too many deaths. They're a population of about 200,000 in the whole country. Right. right. So, you know, if 10 people have it, they freak out. Right. Yeah, we okay. saw the Will Ferrell movie, or you know, he did this whole movie. I think it was in Iceland, right? Like that. You didn't see it? No. It was on Netflix. I don't know that one. Oh, was that? I think it was uh, not Will Ferrell. It was uh, was it about the geothermal stuff? No, it was. It was a comedy. I think it was with. I don't think it did so well. Uh, I guess no one watched it. All right. <laughs> well, I, Iceland's spectacular, and the venue that we were going to book. I actually have the venue sent over. Some. Uh, they sent over the the marquee poster. Oh wow! Wow, has uh, sold out in Icelandic. That's cool. And Umphrey's McGee is great. Yeah, I, I don't know how you say that. Upselt? Upselt. I don't know. Upselt. Yeah. So yeah, so our our we still have we just postponed it. We didn't cancel it, and uh, we have dates, but we're just kind of waiting for the world to come back to life and you know iceland air is with all the airlines they stopped flying to mm -hmm. most cities in the U you know they were flying from something like 20 cities in the u.s and now they're flying just from boston so what, what what we did is you know unlike any other festival out there is we reached out to the airline on behalf of all our patrons and we got everyone five-year credits on the airline oh wow wow we managed to save everyone a ton of money and uh, so now they're just, thankfully, we only had about 20 cancellations. Wow. I have a waiting list of about 100 people that want to go. I want to go. Yeah, so do I. I Iceland? Go. Iceland's supposed to be amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And we, we plan on doing more shows there with more bands. Let's, um, put, that, let's put that on the schedule. Yeah, we'll work it into our budget. We just got coffee mugs. So yeah. <laughs> we're going on the road. Two yeah. idiots and an expert yeah. La on the road. La Larry, if we sell all the coffee mugs, we'll be able to buy a drink <laughs> on the plane. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because you know, you know, what's the once those flights come back, everything's going to be for sale. Yeah, exactly. N not the tickets, but the right. actual drinks themselves. Right. Um, but listen, man, we just wanted to wrap up, and and we really appreciate you uh, you coming on. I think for those people who don't know Larry Siegel, they should get to know him. Happens to be like an amazing guy. 
amazing human being, super positive. Uh, every morning, I think Larry like puts some sort of post, or not every morning, but often. And it's kind of like, I know Larry, it's a pick me up. I read them and I'm like- I read them too. Larry and I have, have different sort of political, and we're not getting into that, <laughs> views on the world. Um, but at the end, we always say like, I love you, buddy. And he says, I love you, buddy. And, um, and that's kind of how, you know, we, we maintain this friendship. So, so get to know Larry. He's good people. Come to summer stage, support your local venues. They need the support more than ever. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah support the local venues. Super important. Um, yeah. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Larry. Check cool. out NIVA National, uh, Independent Venue Association. Okay. There, what's that? National their National Independent Venue Association. They are trying to save our small stages around the country. They did a big festival on YouTube, right? They Last did, week, yeah. two weeks ago. They did. Yeah. I watched. Um, who was it? Dave Matthews, maybe. They did a whole like three Dave day Matthews thing. There, yeah. Well, yeah. I actually did Trey uh, at Summer Stage on the steps behind Summer Stage for our gala to support Summer Stage, and that was a very big highlight of mine for this uh, quarantine. Oh, awesome. Right. Awesome. awesome. Thanks. Larry. Thanks for time, Larry. Thank you, brother. Be safe. All the best. Bye now. Um, so that was really fun. I thought we had a great time talking to Larry. Uh, it basically, it's hard doing music production. I mean, all jobs are hard. All businesses are hard. But music especially is like, I mean, he's had his challenges. And yeah. it's been, you know, and, and your challenges that you've had, I mean, they, they just line up. Everyone lines up. Yeah, I think what we got from that episode is how difficult it is in any field. Yeah. And that it takes years. And even then, you may not even hit it. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, there is no, basically, there's no short-term success. You're not just going to, I mean, yes, you could play an instant lottery or play the lottery and win. And that's like, I guess. By the way, I, uh, it's funny you brought up the lottery. I was thinking that we should talk about what we would do if we won the lottery. Yeah, I'd love to know what you do. You'd what we do because someone posed me a really interesting question. Maybe you should think about this one. Um, if you won the lottery tomorrow, mm -hmm. after you partied or did traveled or did, what would you do? Day yeah, day? that's a whole another. I'm, I'm saying, I, I love that. it, but but yes, I think nothing comes easy. You got to work hard for things, yeah. and the takeaway message is is that if you're going to jump into something, try to get as much knowledge of that thing as you can read speak to it's professionals like the opposite of being an idiot yeah speak to people right. get an understanding really get a lay of the land before you jump in because these things are not easy they're extremely difficult yeah i uh thank you steven for today thank you uh thank you to larry siegel um uh, check him out uh follow us on instagram uh facebook and twitter two idiots and an expert um on instagram we're the number two idiots expert I thought you were going to say we're the number two podcast in the country. No, it's the, oh. the handle is two, the it. number two. It's not the number two. It's just number two. Got it. Okay. Um, and uh, we're, we're working on our guests or guests for next week. Yep. We're going to think about maybe doing multiple guests. Yep. Um, everyone have a great week. And uh, thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. See you next week.